Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Gabriella Debut Stafford, fresh off setting two Canadian records in two weeks in the indoor 3,000 and 5,000 meters. Even before her big breakout at BU this past weekend, Gabby has been one of the world's best middle distance runners, finishing fifth in the 1500 at the Tokyo Olympics and sporting personal bests of 1431 for 5K and 4.17 for the mile. We had a super engaging, fascinating conversation. She reflected on her Olympics performance, talked about her experience joining Bowerman Track Club in 2019, and shared some of the secrets of her success in training and with her relationships with her coaches, Jerry Schumacher and Shalane Flanagan. We also talked about her identity as a proud queer athlete, her reflections on the tragic 2021 death of Agnes Tirop, and because it's Valentine's Day, the story of how she met her husband, Rowan. Enjoy this conversation, especially with our new microphones, thanks to the support we get from the folks in the Sidious Mag podcast network. And happy Valentine's Day to all. If you love us as much as we love you, leave us a five-star rating and send us a love letter in the reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. actually recording we won't just record half a di- half a conversation Yay! <laughs> thank goodness um well welcome to run your mouth long run talk for long talking runners uh <laughs> i am here uh with a uh guest who is, has been pretty uh hot on the track lately uh gabriella debut stafford how's it going good good how are you i'm doing all right <laughs> we're we are toasty up here in the uh third floor of tracksmith it is warm so Hopefully, if you hear us sipping water, that will uh, you'll excuse us for that. But it's just some ASMR, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're cozy, and that's what counts. <laughs> um, so yeah, we chatted a little last night after the race, but obviously uh, things are things are going well right now. <laughs> yes, they are for sure. <laughs> um, th- so you are going back to flag after this, is this correct? Yeah, back up to altitude. And then Canadian champs are when? Um, no indoor champs. No for, indoor champs. Oh, for, you just get to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually time-based. Um, before COVID, they had a, a national indoor championships that they were trying to get off the ground, but definitely COVID puts a damper in that kind of taking off. Um, so, yeah, our qualifications is pretty much just time-based. So, and yeah. dude, is this a, is it too early to know where you get, what you're going to be running or do you know for sure? For indoors? Uh, for the events. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'll be doing the 3000 for sure at World Indoors. Uh, my outdoor time from the Olympics counts for standard um, for the 1500. So I am toying with the idea of also doing that. Uh, I think it depends on the schedule. Like if the the 1500 meter rounds are first then maybe i'll just focus on the 3k but if the 3k is first then maybe the, the fi- i'll do the 1500 just for just for fun <laughs> well yeah we'll see we'll see and we we talked a little about this uh last night but uh serbia you're you're bringing out the rainbow hair potentially yes i'm bringing out the rainbow hair <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna make a comeback um i think it's it's fun um and it's like i guess it might just be like my new world world champs hair and uh especially like I mentioned last night, Serbia has seems to have a complicated relationship with LGBTQ um, issues. Uh, you know, they have a, an openly gay pre- president or prime minister, uh, an openly gay head of state, but uh, they don't have gay marriage and gay people can't adopt. Um, I don't know as much about their trans laws, but I'm assuming they're not great as well. So, you know, <laughs> it's always good to break out the rainbow hair and, you know, make some people annoyed. <laughs> and you know and make a lot of other people proud um, thanks true <laughs> one of the things i you know was first on my list to ask you about was just um being a queer athlete and mm-hmm. you know the the role that that plays in uh you know particularly with young girls but also you know young queer people of all kinds um it's it sense of you know really important message particularly as at least in the u.s a lot of things are um under yeah. attack yeah absolutely um, so so how uh it, how do you, I guess, go about sort of balancing, you know, your personal identity, which is personal and sort of your platform, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, I was quite lucky um, in that I grew up in Toronto, a pretty liberal city. 
um, and very accepting city. Um, I have a gay aunt uh, who's a big role model to me. But um, that doesn't mean that I was totally sheltered from, you know, my share of like homophobia, biphobia. For those who don't know, I'm a bi bisexual. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I, I came out quite late and came to terms with my sexual identity like when I was 19, I think, um, or maybe even 20. So that, you know, to come out so late, I think is just a sign of like how much internalized biphobia and homophobia I had experienced, um, you know, growing up Catholic. Uh, so it's like, even though I had like a relatively easy time of it, um, you know, for a long time, I didn't even know my aunt was gay, right? Like she came out when I was probably like 16 or something. So that was very much like, uh, uh, I don't want to say like a shocking experience, but it definitely triggered something in me. It like it upset me in a way that at the time I don't think I really understood because <laughs> I think it resonated. Um, and I remember asking her like, "How did you know you were gay?" Like you know. So um, yeah, I think uh, there's there's a lot of messages that you you grow up with, and I think especially you know being bisexual, there's there's a sense of like um you know it comes with certain privileges and that I'm you know I'm married to you know I have a husband and I um that comes with certain like straight passing privileges in terms of like safety and such like I can navigate the world in you know and like I don't have to worry about going to certain countries and having a girlfriend but um on the flip side uh there's a lot of like bisexual erasure right like a lot of people see me and they just assume that I'm straight and that's fine but it does kind of like I feel like lots of people when they see me they don't like see me in my full sense because of how I'm presenting so I like to you know be loud and proud for all those for all those young queer kids um who to just be a role model that I didn't necessarily have growing up um and you know especially for people who kind of like are in the spectrum of sexuality or gender like seeing somebody who's more fluid in the way they identify as I think is really powerful and um because it can be quite confusing when you're young you know people like to put yourselves in boxes things are black or white you know gay or straight um and to just see somebody who just is and who just you know just is fully embodying that fluidity I think I hope is powerful and resonates with a lot of young people and last night at the track there were actually two uh two young people who came up to me and said we're both queer and we love you and <laughs> you're a huge role model to us and I was just it just made me brought me so much joy when I meet fellow like queer athletes um that was really that was really fun so just to see them so young too and just being like yeah we're queer it's like yeah it makes me really happy so that's yeah. I mean that's been the biggest just in my time, like from high school and college and beyond, the biggest change I feel like now is that it's even in the last five, 10 years, so much more normalized that, that young kids would, you know, sort of really embrace their queer identity. And I, I don't know how it was for you in college, but like I was the, the first, uh, as far as I know, openly gay runner on my team. And now it's like, it would be weird to have a team that wouldn't that doesn't have at least a couple of gay runners yeah on, you know? I, yeah exactly I think it's it's quite interesting because people are like oh my god there's so many queer people these days and it's like no they're like always there they <laughs> just like didn't come out especially people who like for a long time for me I was just like oh it would just be easier if I just like stayed straight like I just never came out right because it's just I could just I could live my life as just being straight right especially when you're fluid right um so it's just yeah like there's those people always exist and in, in university, I, again, being at U of T, very diverse school, um, it was, you know, like one of my best friends, um, Allie Hurst, came out as queer. And again, that kind of was like, oh, I just had like lots of really good conversations and her kind of like coming out process really kind of resonated with me a lot. Um, and I, yeah, like, so there weren't necessarily no queer athletes on the U of T team, but in my high school, which was quite small, I remember being like weirded out when there was like a uh, LGBTQ ally club, you know, I'm like, well, we don't have queer people at TFS. <laughs> In hindsight, I'm looking back at my graduating class and, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, so many queer people now from who have come out after TFS. And so, you know, I'm, you know, thinking about like our high school, right. Um, yeah. Like at the time it was like, oh, there's quote, no gay people in my grade. And then it's like, oh, surprise 
<laughs> lots Fast of forward ten years. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh wait, we all have come out now. And <laughs> yeah, my like very small the circle of people I still uh, stay in touch with from high school. Like, there's yeah. a lot of like the group text of like, oh, guess who's gay now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We love that. We love um, growth. <laughs> backtracking a little bit, um, you know, obviously coming off the Olympics, I'm I'm sure you've sort of had a lot of conversations in the, you know, immediate aftermath. But mm-hmm. now that you've had a little benefit of hindsight. What was, uh, I guess, what's the report card? How do you sort of reflect on Tokyo in terms of your performance and, and you know, what you wanted out of it and what you got out of it? Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, I'd give myself like an A. I, um, you know, A plus would have been a medal probably. But that was just, it was a really big ask. And, um, you know, like Safan, Laura, Faith especially, just like all incredible, incredible women, incredible athletes. And it was going to, it was gonna take, you know, for Wendy as well, of course, she came forth. Um, it was gonna take like a really, really special day. And honestly, one of those top three to kind of fuck up for me to get a medal. <laughs> um, and, you know, sometimes I think like, oh, well, what if I was in the slower semi and like Faith was in the faster semi and she was a little bit tired, you know, like maybe it could have, it could have worked out. But um, yeah, I think I just had to overcome so much so much self-doubt, so much like, like health issues. Um, I was really like the whole year just like playing catch up and just trying to get adapted to the, to the program at BTC after my relapse with Graves disease. Um, and I don't think I realized at the time what a big ask that was going to be. But now coming into this fall healthy and not having to, you know, make sure my thyroid is is normal I don't think I fully appreciated how hard that was to get over a you know a graves relapse and and then also lots of personal demons like I don't I haven't talked about it much but like I didn't leave um my relationship with Andy like on good terms and that was very hard to get over um and to battle those personal demons and I'm just I, uh, you know, like I, I went into that race with no fear and just finally found like a place where I was happy and, um, believed in myself. And I'm just like very grateful for the group at Bowerman and the coaching there, like Jerry, Pascal, Shalane, especially, um, and our physio Colleen, you know, like they were all just so supportive and, believed in me um and that you know that positivity being around that was really special and yeah so I um I think the more the time goes on the more I'm like damn that was actually that was actually really really impressive (laughs) like at the time I think I was just kind of like yeah that's what I wanted that's what I expected it's nothing special but more time goes on I'm like yeah that was that was a big ask, but we did it. So <laughs> you don't realize how shitty you feel you felt until you feel better afterwards. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely. It's hard to know like when you're in it. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we don't have to get into all the drama, but just <laughs> the transition from Andy and Laura's group to mm-hmm. BTC. What was what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, it was. I mean, like the training itself, we can like keep it specific there. Um, it is very different. Um, Andy, you know, we don't really have a base phase. There's not. It's very low mileage. We're doing like, you know, in interviews he says fifty to sixty, but I really think it's more like forty to fifty miles a week. Looking back on my training logs. Um, and you know the 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 quote unquote easy runs are quite fast um but you know during the week our longest runs 40 minutes long and then we have a long run which is 70 minutes on Sundays um so it's very much just like a program very like kind of old school 80s style where you're just like smashing workouts all the time all year round lots of 1500 meter specific work um and it's good it definitely like gets you fit and I think I really like grew a lot especially on the speed component like the speed development end um from that and um but it uh it's very different from Jerry's program which is like very periodized very much there's a fall build um we do lots of volume lots of like tempo threshold work um and so that's kind of like was challenging to kind of switch my because you know when you buy into a new group you want to like 
you have a sense of like, well, this is the best, right? Like we're doing things better than anyone else. We're, we've outsmarted people mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you buy in, you know, you buy into it. And so then moving to more Jerry's approach, which is, you know, very much strength-based and endurance-based, there is a sense of like, obviously I'm working hard, but like you're not like smashing interval sessions all the time, all year round. It's much more, like I said, periodized. You pick your spots, um, which is great because you peak tremendously and you don't, there's not as many injury issues. There's not as much sense of like burnout. Um, It's definitely, I think, like a better fit for me. Um, But there is, it it, it was a tough adjustment, like, you know, like having to switch your mindset to like, fully buy into this new this new training right um and but you know we we did that I was committed I bought in um and yeah it's uh I don't know if I have more to say on that (laughs) well so I I as listeners will know I'm very fascinated by the man the myth the legend that is Jerry (laughs) yes definitely and and one thing I have sort of um gathered uh is that you know everyone has kind of a different unique relationship with Mm -hmm. him yeah Um, so so what is your relationship with with Jerry like as a coach and an athlete yeah I mean I think it's it's definitely like a very healthy a very positive like even nurturing relationship um I think he I feel like he gives what he feels every athlete needs and you know when I came to him I was very much like very like broken (laughs) like mentally emotionally just like kind of scarred um and he you know like he always like holds me accountable um but uh yeah I'm just like I've always been like very open with him um lots of like communication and yeah I I think he's he's always just he's a very like positive person um very like yeah like um you know he's yeah he's like hard on he's hard on athletes like he doesn't want you to give up when he feels like you're not but I I I definitely think he like saw kind of like what I needed and gave it to me if that makes sense just like I just needed a lot of positive reinforcement and a lot of pumping my tires (laughs) and and he and he does that and he 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 did that and um that was yeah it was just it was just good to like be able to like share with a coach and talk openly about you know how I'm feeling and you know I don't he's not like my therapist you know I have my therapist for that <laughs> but but it's just good to like kind of you know like you know like lay out all the cards of like how I'm feeling and um yeah I think yeah we have a, like a really a good a good relationship it's a very healthy relationship yeah yeah at, at the risk of putting words in your mouth I think sure. you know <laughs> you you clearly are somebody who sort of knows yourself and knows what you want and need and yeah. I think one of the sort of uh, things that seems to be successful with his style of coaching is, you know, treating athletes like adults. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think um, oftentimes, particularly in the professional world, there's a little bit of like a like infantilization of athletes. Oh, yeah. And gosh, like yeah. there's like, you know, it's like, oh, you're a, you know, whatever, 30 year old adult who's been running competitively for 15 years. Like you probably have thoughts of, on what you yourself like need out of training. And if a coach isn't receptive to that dialogue and that like outside perspective, I think that can sometimes be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you touch on a point that I didn't really. So I appreciate you saying that I didn't really fully articulate, but not to like draw too many comparisons, but <laughs> yeah, like like Andy was very micromanaging, very controlling. Um, and there was an infantilization that went on and I didn't appreciate that. Um, but going to Jerry, I do know my body. And one thing that I appreciated from being in Glasgow is that I did learn how far my body could go. I did underestimate how hard I could push myself. And so I really appreciated that I was exposed to that environment where I really like had the opportunity to push myself as hard as I ever have before and I you know we saw like the results which is like my PB dropped from 403 to 356 you know and I had the perfect opportunity to run that 356 like it was an incredible race but um yeah like I appreciate that but I also because of that I also really got to know my body really well on how where is too far right like 
it's it's definitely like a really hard process as a professional athlete to know that about your body um because you're just always on like the line of you you want to train as hard as possible but you don't want to risk burnout you don't want to risk injury um and there is no kind of space for that input um with Andy but with Jerry it's very much like he um like I think that kind of like trust is earned to a certain extent but um there was very much room for me to to give that input and I really appreciate that it does feel like a collaborative relationship and if he feels really strongly about something I'm going to trust that he has a reason for it but um I do think we have like uh an ability to be able to like go back and forth and like um collab not I don't want to say like collaborate but like my input is is not um I don't know is not uh pushed aside like it's considered yeah. um and, and i think it is a collaboration you know at the yeah. end of the day it's it's your body that a coach is sort of working with yeah and your mind has to be a factor in that yeah. as well and you know yeah and, even the way he like assigns mileage right like there's a conversation about like okay where do we want to be for mileage weekly um but he leaves it up to you about how you how you chalk it up and how you you know like how many doubles do you do and like you do do 70 or do you do 60 and um like minute runs right um and yeah so there's there's a lot of like trust in his athletes that they're going to figure out like the best the best way to make their mileage work for them so you know we send him a training log but he's not saying like okay monday you do this tuesday you do this um so i do like that kind of freedom um yeah it's good yeah it works different things work for different people too yeah and I totally think, you know obviously finding what works for you is mm -hmm. is always the goal and um obviously now uh, i talked to shalane about this a little last night yeah. but um you know now that she's sort of in this role as a coach transitioning from an athlete um how have you been able to sort of i guess in, if i were in your shoes i would be like constantly picking her brain about like, yeah everything. totally <laughs> how is how has it been to have her as a coach as well <laughs> i mean yeah it's great like it's really nice to have a coach that has the the experience of being an athlete as well um, especially from like a mileage point of view. Um, I think that's really useful uh, when we're talking like tapering and, and all that, um, you know, like little things where, you know, she says like, I always felt best when I took a day off before a race, you know? So like now in that week before a race, I'll make sure I take a day off. Um, and yeah, so like that, that input's really helpful. Um, just like going through workouts um, when I was playing around with mileage last year, trying to find like, kind of where like my sweet spot was between enough and not too much um you know I there was a week where I was getting like kind of nerve like nervy aching pains in my legs that just wouldn't it was just constant and um I didn't really know what it was about and you know talking to Shalane she's like yeah it sounds like that I think I was doing like 77 to 80 miles uh which was my highest ever and she says like sounds like it's maybe a bit too much right now like you should you should back it off maybe to 70 or 75 um so like having that experience is really useful whereas jerry maybe like you know he was helpful as well but he doesn't have that like firsthand experience to know exactly but like shalane like has that experience so she's like yeah it sounds like it's just the mileage and it's just a bit too much well and as someone who's done the the jerry training too right? exactly like she not yeah. only has the racing and training experience but she mm -hmm. has the like i've been on this side of the you absolutely know, table. yeah and it sounds like before working with jerry too she was actually quite low mileage so she has that experience of like with jerry like bumping up, up her mileage yeah. yeah so like trying to find that sweet spot was a learning process for her so yeah it's like it's hard to like describe experiences to somebody who doesn't necessarily have has gone through it right when you're talking about like bodily sensations <laughs> so um yeah that's like really absolutely like really helpful and to and to have just like a again like a female role model and and from that perspective like she's done so much for women's running in like north america um it's very cool to have her as a coach <laughs> yeah. um what's the what have you topped out at in terms of mileage um right now I'm kind of at like 80 Jerry miles. So depending on how I feel, that can be anywhere between like 85 to 89 real miles. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm topping out. Depends on the week, depends on the workouts. You know, sometimes I'm on course to run 80 miles, but then the workout's a little bit shorter or I feel 
tired so I don't get in that double in um and then it's like more like 70 uh but yeah so I'm still cycling a little bit trying not to it's definitely still like takes I don't want to say takes its toll but um I have to like go up and then go back down like get get rest weeks still it's not like I'm just like pounding out 80 miles every week I'm you know definitely still cycling and having down weeks but yeah that's currently where I've been able to 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 do so yeah that's good uh Jerry or otherwise, what's the longest run you've ever done? <laughs> um, 19 real miles, I think. Right? That long run was the two, it was a two hour long run. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was a hard, that was a hard run. You <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm gathering that you're not like, you're not the one who lives for long run day necessarily on the team. I like. mean, <laughs> I like it. I'm not going to lie. I do like the grind of like a good hard long run. Um, but it's hard. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely hard. It's definitely a new skill that I've had to learn. I definitely get a little panicky at 90 minutes. We do like a progression type thing. Mm-hmm. So the last 30 minutes are like, you know, six minute pace or under. Um, that's what we're targeting. So I do get a little panicky at 90 minutes where it's like the long run has started to take its toll. And now we're doing the fastest bit. Um, and yeah, the difference between 145 and two hours is is quite remarkable. So um yeah i mean I'm, I'm i'm learning to love it but i do feel like 90 minutes to what an hour 45 is like the perfect spot for a long run two hours is a bit much but you know <laughs> and now that now that you've kind of trained all over do you have a do you have like a favorite spot to train of all of the various places Ooh, what's my favorite spot um i think st moritz is quite nice it's quite good that's spot. a good answer <laughs> yeah it's gorgeous you got beautiful beautiful scenery um it's a bit expensive so i don't love that but yeah it is gorgeous um yeah i do really like the running's great uh park city is actually quite nice it's like it's a good spot where tracks aren't too far away driving um there's one track where it's an hour drive but yeah i don't i think park city grew on me i kind of felt uh, i felt a bit sick of it by the end of it but (laughs) (laughs) there's something like nostalgic about just like a really intense period of your life where you're all there working towards a really hard goal so i think maybe it's stockholm syndrome bonding bonding through suffering yeah exactly (laughs) uh well speaking of uh the big news is that now your sister's your teammate as well how has that been so far it's been good it's been good yeah she's she's enjoying the transition um yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun to have her on the team. Um, it's been a while since we've li- lived in the same city. Uh, so it's nice to just spend like a little bit more time with her and just to be around her a bit more. It's been it's been really nice. Yeah. Uh, have your have your parents been able to like visit you out in Portland or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, not yet. I think our little we have a little brother, um, Nicholas. He is 16. So, you know, he's got his he, he's, he's in track as well. So he probably will visit us during his March break. Um, but yeah, with World Indoors, we're going to have to coordinate that. So he's going to come visit. I think our father is going to visit us as well. Um, our, our mother passed away like when we were young. But uh, yeah, our, I don't know about our stepmothers and stepsisters, but um, we, we still visit home. Like I try to visit uh, as much as I can, but it is hard to make it out. Um, but yeah. How, yeah. does, how does your brother feel about having uh, the big sister yeah. shoes to fill? He's <laughs> being really, he's been really sweet, actually. Like after my 3K at the Ocean Breeze, uh, at the Ocean Breeze, um, at the New Balance Grand Prix, um, he was very sweet. He, he was like, I've never been so hyped after a run or after a race. And he like went out and smashed like a 15K run. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's really, he's really sweet and supportive. And um, yeah, I hope he, you know, I don't want him to feel any pressure about what he does in the sport. Um, I just want him to enjoy it as much as possible and get what he, get what he wants out of it, right? So I try not to pressure him too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's always good. Who are you? Have a faster mile than he does right now, or has he got you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right now. But I think, uh, I think, um, I my day he'll catch up soon, <laughs> probably. <laughs> that's always yeah. That's, my days are numbered. <laughs> um, similarly, uh, I don't know if you know Katrina Coogan yes. at all, but so she, her sister Margaret, and then their youngest brother Will. Yeah. He's now, I think, a sophomore in college, but mm-hmm. I, I remember he, when he was like that 15, 16 yeah. years where he was kind of perfectly matching up totally. to Katrina's PRs. And 
getting a little competitive. I know. That. Yeah, I'm, tell, I'm also telling Nikki, I'm like, hey, you want to come to Park City? Like, <laughs> you could be helpful as like a little pacer. <laughs> Put them to work. No, no free rent. Yeah. yeah, I'll get a free altitude camp out of it. Like, yeah, like Rowan, my husband actually helped me quite a bit in the month in the month or so leading up to the Olympics with just like, you know, pacing the middle 200 of a 600 and just like little things that would just help me maintain focus a bit during solo sessions. Um, and that was incredibly helpful. Um, so yeah, I mean, like Nikki's definitely in good enough shape to do something like that. So <laughs> fair warning. If you come out to visit Nikki, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put you to work. <laughs> uh, given, uh, you know, speaking of the Olympics and given, uh, your, uh, Canadian nationality, have yes. you been watching the winter Olympics following along? <laughs> Not that much actually unfortunately i haven't been following the winter olympics it's been a bit of a it came it started at kind of a bad time just in terms of travel and yeah racing and stuff. yeah exa yeah. exactly so if you if you could no. pick a winter olympic sport assuming cross country doesn't get into the winter olympics yeah yeah if you could pick one to be an olympian at which would you pick um i think like speed skating probably um i don't know maybe it's because that's like the closest other than cross country skiing to to track maybe it's you know the Clara Hughes effect um but yeah I don't know maybe speed maybe speed skating I also just feel like that's like the the closest that I would I could foresee myself doing well at it maybe but I don't really know how to skate very well so yeah. well, you know. <laughs> I have the aerobic engine though and the anaerobic <laughs> threshold or whatever it's called so yeah. i feel like that's like speed skating is also like it's like the sexy one of the olympic winter olympic sports i mean like, figure skating is really the most sexy well yeah well there's all like the, <laughs> uh is, isn't it i think it's they're canadian right the duo that like everyone's oh, yeah. like are they dating yeah like are they <laughs> the sexual tension is real that's like when you like uh, oh gosh what is scott moore and uh tessa virtue right mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. so what is that that's dance dance skating what is ice it dancing ice dancing yeah, there yeah. you go i'm like what's the technical term for that yeah i mean like when they're when they're the chemistry on the ice dies that's when you know that they're dating i guess yeah <laughs> Well, all right, speaking of, I think this episode is going to drop on Valentine's Day. Oh, beautiful. Um, and our, our silent third co-host is your husband, Rowan. <laughs> Hi, uh, Rowan. <laughs> how, did you, how did you guys meet, and uh, what, what's that love story like? <laughs> oh, how did we meet? We met at university, at the University of Toronto. Um, we, were part, we were part of the same college, Victoria, and um, we uh, were in the same res, residence building um and yeah we just met yeah we met through that and started a lovely friendship and eventually just started dating um and then after what are you laughing at that's a very long story short but i don't know do people want to hear like the nitty-gritty what, was, what <laughs> was the first date the first well i mean that's a good question okay. <laughs> what do you consider the first date um I think so we had like a few um we had a few like get get togethers that were just kind of like friendly hangouts but were kind of like is this a date vibe um and then Rowan being the direct communicator that he is would try to you know say like hey like do you want to go on a date date and at the time I had like just got out of a relationship so I was feeling a bit torn up about that guy and wasn't really in a good headspace so classically it was just like no um he should have just kissed me and then it would have <laughs> been way easier but um yeah so we like we never we like never kissed or anything until like a year like year two years later two years later um yeah we just like we stayed like really good friends um dated other people during that time and then after that, uh, both those relationships ended, um, just started like hanging out more. And there was one, uh, one dinner at, oh gosh, what is it called? Future. There you go. One, I feel like that's our first date because that was the first time we had like lingering eye contact and just like fully like fully like embrace the kind of like tension in the friendship I guess um and and then afterwards like Rome was being quite sneaky where we like went back to his place and there we played like taboo with uh his housemates 
and he was like trying to see if he like edged away from me on the couch if I would close the gap and I did <laughs> subconsciously like <laughs> testing out the waters yeah and then he actually sorry this might be too nitty-gritty but it's Valentine's Day right so um I <laughs> no, was, this is what I live for like all, all of right. the training stuff like that's not run your mouth this yeah. is run your mouth okay perfect <laughs> Um, yeah. And during that time, Rowan was, I was, I, I'm a psychology major and I, I was taking a psychology of interpersonal relationships class and Rowan was quite interested in the subject matter. And he decides to just sit in on the lecture cause he's a nerd. And, um, the first lecture he sits in on is like a unit on like sexuality and um so that was like a tense tense class but yeah shortly after we we finally kissed um like a couple weeks later and then two months after that or two and a half three three months after that I asked him to marry me and that uh the, re the rest is history <laughs> well this is making my day because oh really Perfect. <laughs> I I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I, I don't like think. You guys have to watch it. All right. It's oh, it's so cute. It's like all about being friends for years and dating other people, and then finally. Yeah, yeah. In the spirit of things, do you have a favorite uh, rom com? Uh, hmm. Ooh, I think. Um, I don't watch rom coms very often, but I think the proposal. I don't know. Sure. I love Sandra Bullock. She's great. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, fun, fun movie. Are you a, are you a binge watcher on like, you know, like yesterday you just wait until yeah. 9 p.m.? What is, is that a throw on a, a movie or are you doing other stuff all day? I mean, this might be really like, bleh, but the most, most of the day was spent in bed with Rowan just like cuddling. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, he hasn't been at altitude for very long. So it's just been nice to just like have, have him around and just his physical presence and, um yeah so that was that was kind of like what met when the time go by yesterday but yeah usually I'll like slap on some binge tv but uh yeah that was like definitely like a nicer experience to have him around just because I feel like sometimes when you're binge watching movies you just kind of like it's fun but you just kind of feel shitty afterwards but then it's like Otherwise, like in this situation, I'm like high on oxytocin. And so I'm just like, woo, I'm going to like do so well. <laughs> well, this is on another uh, podcast topic. <laughs> Former guest Drew Hunter, uh, what's your love language? Oh, love language? Okay. This is funny. I used to think it was um, physical touch and uh, quality time. But Rowan has made me realize that it's probably physical touch and words of affirmation which I think is key because I'm quite hard on myself um and so Rowan is very you know positive and nurturing and loving and I really need that so I think those are my love languages I think Rowan's are also physical touch and what do you think Rowan quality time number two definitely physical touch number one though right I also feel like giving and receiving is different yeah well that's what they say about love languages mm -hmm. like that's the whole thing is that if you don't know both like yours and your partners yeah. that's where the breakdowns you yeah know, come exactly. through right <laughs> I definitely think both like Rowan and I are like number one physical touch giving and receiving so I think one of Rowan's is like acts of service as giving um like he it likes to express love through uh acts of service um even if he doesn't if, even if that's all the way he feels love being received. I mean, I just feel like we all, we feel yeah. love no matter what. No, I'm, it I'm definitely strong. acts of service. Like yeah. I'm not the world's, as we mentioned earlier, growing up Catholic, go figure. Oh but gosh. Like, yeah. Go figure. Not the best communicator of <laughs> emotions, uh, oh. but like I'll make you dinner any day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The Catholic church is another topic of conversation. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that, yeah, large family of people who don't talk about their feelings. Yeah, That's like, yeah. <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> um, well, wrapping it up, uh, this is a perfect segue into uh, we we ask our guests the same three questions, but sure. the first one, um, gonna have to challenge you a little bit because it's your Instagram crush, but you can't say Rowan. Like it can be like a oh. crush in the broadest sense possible. Like it doesn't have to be a romantic crush, just like something mm. that you're into on the internet instagram um, crush or if you're fought, like scrolling through tiktok like unfortunately i'm very addicted oh god so me too whatever yeah. you're into on the internet these days 
Oh, Instagram crush. Probably. Yeah, I mean, Rowan just showed me a picture of Dina Asher Smith, and I, I am obsessed. Oh, sure. She's, <laughs> she's just, like, incredible, gorgeous, like, so fast, and, yeah, just such a sweet, wonderful, kind human being, too. It's just, like, she's, like, so lovable. Um, just very, very nice. Um, I was going to say, though, like, Taylor Swift or Cameron Esposito, but, yeah, Dina I Asher love, Smith I might have, top them. I saw Cameron Esposito <laughs> live about three blocks that way oh my yeah. god no way yeah. so jealous she's yeah. in vancouver right now apparently oh, okay she's yeah like she, got, well, she got covid i think she was touring with ria at the time which is mm. kind of sad but you know I, it seems like everybody has evolved for the best out of yeah. that uh, relationship, uh, yeah but, yeah 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 uh, yeah totally one of my favorite uh comics out there oh my gosh awesome. cam's so good so 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 good glad we can yeah Listen, <laughs> listeners cameron esposito look her up she's hysterically funny oh my god so yeah. good yeah yeah and well but this reminds me of another i guess you've raced so much internationally mm -hmm. do you have like who are who are your like your butt your circuit buddies like who's who, who are your friends on the circuit Ooh. that you don't train with but you you see all the time at races i mean i don't know it's like it really depends it's like i feel like i'm quite lucky that you know i've been able to like make some british friends uh some american friends obviously canadians it's like oh my god you see canadians so exciting um so yeah i don't know i, I don't know if i like have like a one or two because there's a there's a, there's a bunch but mm -hmm. um yeah i mean like the other the other weekend at new york i was able to room with uh aaron wallace who uh, i used to train with in glasgow and so that was quite nice to like catch up with her and all that so um yeah that, i yeah i'm quite lucky that i've been able to get to know people and it's social it's, butterfly <laughs> well i wouldn't say i'm that i'm quite i'm quite introverted and i kind of hate it but it is nice where it's like you're no longer going into the like the dining room with that kind of like cafeteria high school dread of like who am i gonna sit with <laughs> um yeah i mean like if i you know, Gudasage is actually like quite. We have like a oh. fun little. She's quite friendly to me, and that's that's really nice. I, I I really enjoy when I get to reconnect with her. Um, so she always makes an effort to like say hi and such. So I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, you know, like sometimes you end up sitting at a table with people who you don't understand the language. But you know, it's it's definitely nice to be at a place in my running where I don't have to worry about social anxiety as much because it's a bit more normalized. And you know, you just sit at a table and don't talk to anyone it's okay yeah. <laughs> <Two>. <laughs> well uh not to well hopefully we won't end the, the episode on a downer but just as as a brief you just reminded me um you, you post a lovely post about uh agnes tiroff yeah um, in yeah your, uh your post yesterday um do you any memories from from racing her or yeah i just i didn't really get to talk to her very much but i mean yeah like i raced her for the first time i think she was in brussels too but i yeah she was in brussels um but uh i raced her for the first time in stockholm at the 5k diamond league there um and then again in brussels and she was always just like very very gracious very kind and just was a gorgeous runner um and quite young too i think she's younger than me so i was very sad to hear that she had died and in such like a tragic way like um you know like to be murdered by your by your by somebody who you're who's supposed to you know protect you at the end of the day and love you and support you um it's really yeah it's really tragic and really upsetting um so yeah i just i encourage people this valentine's day to do some research in a local community shelter that supports women or victims of domestic assault um and maybe make a make a donation if you're able um uh you know with the memory of tear up in mind um uh yeah it's very it's yeah it's a huge it's a huge tragedy that we that she's no longer with us um yeah it's really really upsetting yeah and i think you know if obviously hard to call it a silver lining from such a, a, a sad situation but i think one of the things that i've really appreciated is that um you know, it's drawn a lot more attention to sort of some of the experiences that the particularly female athletes mm -hmm. in East Africa have yeah. with with coaches and agents and yeah. their experience. And I think particularly as kind of the casual American fans, it's very easy to have just like a very Western 
like othering of like uh mm-hmm. international athletes and to not necessarily think about their lived experience and totally. them as people and 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 frankly it's given a platform for i think a, a lot of you know the best you know east african runners out there to talk about their their experience and and what you know ha- not just you know their performances on the track but but what it, the reality of training as an elite athlete yeah yeah it's not something that you really think about um because you're just used to like your western north american bubble and yes there is like sexism and that goes along with being a woman in in canada and america and that that we have to overcome but um yeah like there's there's and it's um you know like we definitely have like predatory behavior that women are a, a victim of here as well um but it is pretty pretty wild some of the yeah just like the the we're not as far along as we'd like to think and And I think about that a lot I think about how I don't think I'm like the most talented like runner that there ever has been and yet I'm quite high up ranked in my various events now like in the 1500 like I think that 356 was like top 20 and I don't think I'm like I work really hard but I'm like by no means like exceptionally like talented I think there's so many women who probably had exactly what it took to be as good or better than me. Um, and I think it's cool, like, as time goes on to see more and more women doing sport and, and you know, able to, like, break through, like, the, you know, like, the glass ceiling of sexism that kind of, like, weighs us down. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think about that a lot, about, like, how many more women could be could be like breaking all these records and all these barriers and um, that just aren't because of, you know, various hurdles that they have to overcome. Um, So yeah, it has been very eye opening that, you know, you know that that sort of thing happens, but you don't necessarily see like, you know, I, I I feel like I read an article with like Winnie Nanyundo, who's Mm. um, very good 1500 meter runner has broken four. And, you know, like the pressure she feels to like, you know, have a child and settle down and like not be an elite athlete anymore. And it's like, this girl is so good. Like she's so talented. Um, and, you know, all the power to women who choose to have children and to keep running. But um, yeah, like you shouldn't feel pressured to have a child if you're in your prime and you want to just see what you can do. Um, uh, yeah. So it's it was a bit shocking to kind of see like the depth of like, the predatory behavior. Um, you know every yeah so well and and i think too there's sort of a you know particularly in the american running scene it's like Mm -hmm. oh we know you know all the the fans know the you know the individual personalities of like every woman on track club Mm -hmm. but they're sort of like oh just the kenyans and the ethiopians they just run fast times totally so i try really hard like i like i'm a big fan of like some of them you know really like great colorful personalities mm-hmm. that that you know represent between you know Faith Kapiegan and yeah. uh Mary Nagugi and mm-hmm. um uh Helen O'Beary you know just like I try to like be like you know they're like cool and yeah. like fun too yeah, absolutely. they're not just like crazy fast yeah and- yeah yeah you definitely have to like work harder to like find those interviews where you can like you see them because obviously like American media is going to be focused on Americans and, and the all that. language barriers. Kind of yeah, totally. But yeah. um, yeah, like I think, you know, Faith is also like a great example of like, she is so, so gracious. Um, Remember after the Florence Diamond League, you know, it's like, you just think like Faith's like a god to me. You know what I mean? She's just like, <laughs> she's so good. I'm like, there's no way she'd ever like know who I am. And after the race, she was like, oh, like, how was your race? And I was like, oh. It was, it was okay. Like I'm, you know, upset that I let a gap open and I wish I ran faster, but it was, it was okay. And she was just like, oh, you're like, you're doing really well. You're doing really well. And then, and I was like, well, congrats on your race. You like, you did, you did amazing. And she was like, yes, I PB'd. And she was so excited (laughs) that she PB'd. And she was like, isn't that crazy? I PB'd. (laughs) And yeah, I think she ran like 353. So it was like an incredible time. And, um, yeah, like just like so so friendly. Um, yeah, I like really means a lot when they like ma- make an effort, especially like with the language barrier. Um, makes me feel bad that I don't know more languages. <laughs> um, you know, things tend to be like English centric, but 
uh yeah like lots of I definitely want them to be like more regularly highlighted in the media because they're yeah lots of like colorful personalities and really lovely people well, and I guess on the note of colorful personality, <laughs> terrible segue. Yeah, nice. Uh, the, the next question, which is uh, your go-to karaoke song. If oh, someone gosh. hands you the mic, what are you singing? Hmm, what's my go-to karaoke song? I don't know, maybe something from something from like musical theater. I've just, last night I was just like every single chance that I could get was like linking musical theater songs to like a situation. Um, but that's an aside for karaoke. You can do music. I was going to say like Define Gravity or. Yeah, you know. maybe. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it would be funny to do like Bo Burnham. Oh, <laughs> people would like that. Yeah. From his new special. Yeah, I don't. I have, it's been ages since I've done karaoke. You got to be prepared. You never know when karaoke I know. Could happen. Yeah, probably Bo Burnham because it's like good fun. That's and fair. people will laugh, <laughs> you know, even if you miss a note. <laughs> um, all right. And last but not least, uh, your death row meal. If you're going to the death chair, you can eat anything you want before one, one last I probably meal. wouldn't be able to eat, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get all that one last one in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just puke probably. It wouldn't be very fun. Um, probably. I mean, I do feel like, ironically, probably pizza because if I'm – if I'm feeling anxious, like for some reason, pizza seems to go down like decently. Um, it's just like pretty appealing. Um, that's not necessarily my favorite meal, but it's probably the thing that I enjoy the most in that comfort food and- in that state, <laughs> in that state of infinite or not infinite, immediate or inevitable self-destruction. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with pizza. That's, no, it's uh, good. that's a winning, winning it's choice. Good. I time. love pizza. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you so much for doing this. This is super fun. Thank you. Um, Thanks so much, David. I yeah, appreciate it. This is uh, uh, very enjoyable. We covered a wide range of topics. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I- I'm hopeful that, that people really like this one. So uh, on that note, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, the Valentine invite has been good to you. So yes, the it has. Woo, we love it. <laughs> and uh, until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Thanks so much, David. Single every single day, do it every single way. Make the single lady say.